0: Celebrating 30 years on Utah's airwaves, Western Life Radio thanks you for joining us around the campfire and for your ongoing support to Utah's longest-running home, garden, travel, and outdoor adventure program. You can always join us on our online campsite at westernliferadio.com. No matter what's bugging you this summer in your garden, the USU Extension Service Integrated Pest Management Program can help you find solutions. From free fact sheets and books to seminars and updated pest advisories, this website will point you in the right direction. To find these and other free resources, stop at extension.usu.edu forward slash pests. Did you know that Utah's off-highway vehicle and personal watercraft youth education programs required by law are now online at www.stateparks.utah.gov? All youth must carry this certification while operating on Utah's waters or public lands. PwC education is required for youth aged 12 to 17. Discover the magic within Utah State Parks with an annual State Parks Pass. From boating and fishing to hiking, camping, and off-highway vehicle adventures, Utah State Parks offers a wide variety of activities in the great outdoors. An annual State Park Pass opens the gate to year-round adventures at an amazing price. The annual State Park Pass provides day-use access for you and your family for 12 months from date of purchase. In addition, Utah State Parks opens the gate to cultural and historical parks where you can learn more about Utah's rich heritage. And don't forget to reserve your favorite campsites year-round with options in teepees, yurts, and hammocks, in addition to the standard tent and RV options. Visit the trailhead for more information at stateparks.utah.gov.
1: Faster Utah empowers teachers, administrators, and other school staff to defend themselves in case of a school shooting. We teach advanced firearms and trauma first aid skills. Graduates of the FASTER program pass the same post-qualification shoot as Utah law enforcement. For more information and find out how you can help, go to fasterutah.org. with the
0: world through Rise Broadband and stay in touch with all things important to you and your family. Known as the number one fixed wireless internet provider in the United States, Rise Broadband will keep you connected with work, school, shopping and entertainment. Whether you live in a suburban or rural area, RISE helps keep you and your family connected with the people and things that you value most. RISE Broadband offers flexible packages designed to meet your budget so you can enjoy all your favorite music and movies with fast, reliable, in-home Wi-Fi. Stream your favorite shows, play the hottest games without buffering, and stay in touch with family and friends on Skype. Get more for less with RISE Broadband to check availability in your area visit RiseBroadband.com or call 844-411-RISE. Put on your helmet, let's go.
2: But Mom, when will I be on left so I don't have to wear my helmet? When will I become invincible just like you? Sweetie, I'm not
3: invincible. I need my helmet too. Anyone can get hurt, no matter how old
0: they are.
1: Be responsible and set an example when you ride.
0: Accidents do happen. Please remember, nobody is invincible. Summer has officially begun and Sportsman's Warehouse has everything you need for your next outdoor adventure from hiking to camping to shooting ready for some fishing Sportsman's Warehouse has all the rods reels baits and nets you need for success and hunting season will be here before you know it so bring in your bows for free tune-ups the best part of all is that at Sportsman's Warehouse you'll find knowledgeable people who are passionate about what they do and and they will get you just what you need.
1: Sportsman's Warehouse, take it outside. Play safe, play sober. BUI is boating under the influence. It is illegal to operate a motorboat while under the influence of alcohol. And in Utah, BUI penalties are the same as DUI. It will cost you money and may cost you your life. Play safe play sober, visit stateparks.utah.gov. This message brought to you by Utah State Parks Boating Program.
0: joins us on the shoreline once again with Salt City Bassmasters and TBF. Thank you for taking a few minutes with us. Absolutely. How are you doing today? Fantastic. It is awesome to hear your voice again. I know you are extremely busy. You live to fish. I'm glad you're here. We're going to talk about crayfishing today.
3: Let's talk about some crayfishing. As you probably know from my history, every year we've done a crawdad bash for my daughter's birthday ever since she was like two years old, so I've been doing it for over 20 years. And we went up this last weekend, and last Friday caught a whole bunch, boiled them up, brought them home, and had a big birthday party with crawdads and the big Cajun crawdad boil. It was awesome. And we'll talk about how to catch them if you'd like.
0: Yes, sir, we definitely would. I know a lot of people will get out there with their strings and their chicken legs or their thigh bones or whatever, and they'll hang them off of a string, and they'll get onesies, twosies, put them in a bucket, and then after... 12 hours or something, they got enough to do something with. You are a guy that harvests these things. You take this serious.
3: Yeah, my brothers and I and friends, we've been into dike, actually harvesting them and getting enough to eat. So we'll tell you some little secret tricks and tips. One thing, it's great experience for the kids, even if you just want to go around, and not necessarily harvest a ton of them, but just have the kids have fun catching a few crowd ads. You know, you can put a piece of chicken on the string and put it out there, and they're going to come glom onto it. Then you can either net them or you can try to pull them up and shake them off into a bucket. Obviously, if you want to catch a bunch of them, the key is to leave the bait in the same spot as long as possible and always keep putting it back in the same spot because the more the scent gets disfused in the water, then the crawdads don't know where exactly to find the bait because the scent's all over the place. So you want to try to put it back in the same place every time. The other key is if you want to catch a bunch of them, was you don't actually lift up the string with the chicken on it. You just get your net down there and then scoop the chicken and all the crawdad ball up at the same time, and you'll get 40 of them at a time.
0: That's a game changer. That's different. You see all the time where people will have the kids out there with their string and everything, and like I said, it's onesies, twosies. Yeah. It's a long day before you have enough to do anything with anything.
3: Yeah, and generally, and there's a few things. One thing is young kids, obviously retention span, they're playing around and they're playing with the chicken and pulling it up, pulling it down and so the scent's getting disfused and not as many crawdads are going to come to that area. But that's fun. I mean the kids are having fun and if you're not really trying to get a ton to eat you're just trying to have the kids catch a few for fun, that's fine. But if you want to catch a bunch the key is put out just a couple of baits for each person that you have there, put them in the same spot every single time and then actually scoop the bait and the adds up at the same time without spooking them off of the bait, and that way you're going to catch a whole bunch more really fast. If you can do it at night, obviously, you're going to catch a lot more than if you do it during the day because during the bright of the day, they're more aware of being predatized by fish and so forth and birds or whatever. So if you can do it at night, we always try to plan on going up and doing it as soon as the sun goes down. And then literally, at like Strawberry, for instance, or Schofield that have just tons of crawdads in them, either of those two lakes, in an hour, you can get all the crawdads you need. (laughs) More than you need in an hour. So literally, the other night, there was a bunch of kids that come running down where we were doing it. So there was 20 people milling around, throwing chicken in and all of that. And we got some, but then as soon as they left in 15 minutes, we got all that we needed. About 800.
0: 800 crayfish in an hour? In literally 15 minutes. 15 minutes? Oh
3: my goodness. <laughs> yeah, we were literally getting 40 and 50 in a scoop. But while the kids were there and kids wading around, catching with their hands, they were spooking them all over and muddying up the water and all that kind of stuff, which is fine. But be aware when there's a lot of people there you go out to a place with yourself, don't interfere with other people doing it. Obviously, because if you have a whole bunch of baits in one little area, The crawdads don't know where to go, and so be aware of that, spread out a little bit, and you can catch all the crawdads you want and have fun, so it's awesome. Strawberry is fantastic, obviously. The whole lake, everywhere around that lake has crawdads in it. Schofield is awesome because it also has a lot of crayfish. The lakes that have smallmouth and walleye in them have crayfish in them, but they're a lot spookier than the lakes that only have trout in them. So... Obviously, you're better off to go to lakes that have mostly trout
0: in them. That's really good advice. Location is everything, too. I mean, what type of locations are you looking for? I know at Strawberry, I've been to certain areas where it's tough to find some and other places where they're just overabundant.
3: They're pretty much everywhere in Strawberry, but of course, they like rocks because they can hide in the cracks and crevices during the day and not get eaten by fish. And the trout will eat crayfish, but they tend to eat the smaller ones. You go to lakes that have smallmouth or largemouth or walleye in them, and it doesn't matter how big they are, they're going to eat them. And I haven't met a smallmouth bass that didn't like crawdads. So if there's a crayfish in there and there's five minnows swimming by and a crayfish, the smallmouth will go eat the crayfish first and then eat the minnows. So anytime you can avoid lakes that have a lot of smallmouth in it, you're probably going to do better on catching crayfish. But, I mean, there's even crayfish out in Grantsville. There's crayfish in Utah Lake. In the Jordan River, where it goes out of the lake, there's crayfish there. So there's a lot of different places you can actually catch them. Obviously, lakes with catfish and bass and walleye, they're a little harder to catch because the crayfish are a little spookier. And obviously, at night, they're going to come out more to forage than they are during the day.
0: Are you out there in a boat? Or are you doing most of your stuff with waders, or are you all just hanging in from the shoreline? No, line?
3: we just do it off the shore. You don't usually need to put waders on or anything. You take shoes that you don't mind getting muddy or wet, obviously. If you want to put on waders, you can. But as hot as it is now, I'm not putting waders on. It's just too warm out there right now. The other thing is you can use traps, and if you want to do it during the day, and if you put traps out in a little bit deeper water and leave them out there for three, four, five hours, you're going to catch crawdads in it. Right? but you've got to leave it longer. Some people will put it out there, leave it out there all day, pick it up in the evening and they'll have a mess of hot in there. So traps are obvious, but if you don't want to actually do it, you just want to catch some to eat. Traps are great. If you just want to try to harvest them, go up at night, do a piece of chicken on a string, raw chicken. You don't need cooked chicken. Raw chicken is great. Whatever you can find cheap, go bag of red quarters and thighs that are cheap and cut them up and use a piece of that, make sure it'll sink a bit, and put it on a piece of string and make sure it hits the bottom and let it sit there for about 10 minutes for the first time, and then you start catching them every 10 minutes or so until you've got enough that you want to start cooking them up.
0: How deep are you? How deep is the water that you're usually working?
3: Oh, gosh, anywhere from 6 inches deep to 5 feet. You don't want it any deeper than the net you got, so you want to be able to just reach it with a net without having to wait in there. So Sportsman's, Shields, Cabela's, they all sell nets that have a seven-foot handle on them, a six-foot handle, and a small mesh so that you can net crawdads. Obviously, a trout net and the mesh is too big. They're going to be able to go through the loop. So you want to get a minnow-type net that has a smaller mesh in it. And some of the little kids' nets are fun, too, if they just want to net a few at a time. But, of course, when we're harvesting, we are them, we want a net that's got a pretty big hoop on it, so you can get 40 or 50 in a scoop, you know?
0: I don't know very many people other than you that can give that many at a time.
3: And like you say, we're into harvesting them. Now, one thing I do want to say is, obviously, you can't transport them alive. So you want to be careful. Make sure you're not leaving the area. Obviously, if you're at Strawberry and you're going to your campsite, you're okay. But don't transport them, especially out of the drainage, because you will get a ticket for transporting them alive, because the division doesn't want people illegally transferring them to other bodies of water. So... What we generally do is we'll cook them right there at the lake. And the other thing you can do is actually just, like, save the tails and claws. So you would devein them, and you can do that by pinching the middle fin of the tail and pinching hard and twisting it and pulling it out. And that'll take the gut vein out, the intestinal track out of the tail, and then just rip off the tail, throw it on ice. If they have big claws that you want to keep, throw them on ice. And just chill them down really fast. And they'll be fine and dandy till you take home and cook up. If you want to do them whole, then what I always tell people is the turkey fryer is the greatest thing in the world for cooking crawdads. You get your turkey fryer burner out there with your big pot, fill it up halfway full of water, put in some zatarans crawfish boil in there, a good amount of salt, spices, some cayenne pepper, depending on how hot and spicy you like stuff. The ones I did the other day, I threw a couple of whole jalapenos in there, I don't like things super spicy, but it just gave it a little bit of a jalapeno flavor, which is kind of nice. I put in some cayenne pepper then some whole garlic cloves, put in an onion, cut a lemon up and throw it in there, and then maybe a quarter cup of vinegar to three or four gallons of water. And the vinegar just helps you when you're shelling them. It helps them not stick to the shell so that they come out of the shells a little bit easier.
0: How long does it take to process 800 crayfish? Well, if you
3: got people who know what they're doing you <laughs> can do them fast, it was about 15, 20 minutes to get them all in the pot cooking up. When you're doing it in a big pot like on the turkey fryer and you got three or four gallons of water in there, it takes 15 or 20 minutes to get that water up to boiling. So get that going while you're catching them. If you're going to do it right there at the lake, what we do. And then that way you get it boiling, and then you start getting a bunch of them, and then you can have the kids out there still catching them after you teach them how to do it and actually get a bunch. And then you just sit there and de them and throw them in the pot and get them boiling up, and then after you got however many you want, let the pot sit with no heat on it till they all sink. That's going to absorb all that flavor. So once they sink, then pull them out, and you can let them cool off and then throw them on ice and take them home, re-cook them, or do whatever you're going to do at home with them if you want to do that. Or awesome thing is to just go get a camp right up at Strawberry for the weekend and have a big party up there. We did that with my brother about two weeks ago. We had to cook them up the other day for my daughter's birthday because, of course, we have a birthday party at home. But it depends on how you want to do it. But we had a camp spot up at Strawberry a couple of weeks ago and had a big crowd out boy right up there at Strawberry. So those are great ways to do it.
0: Now, August is actually the perfect time for catching crayfish for a couple of reasons.
3: Yeah, it's awesome. One, the water's warm, so they're active. They're moving around quite actively, forging. Plus, they've molted. They're done spawning and all that, so they don't have eggs on them. They've molted a couple times. They're cleaner. Their shells are nice and clean. And it's the best time to get them, in my opinion. The water's going down low, so they're actually getting really concentrated because a lot of these reservoirs are going down low. And so it's a great time to go get them right now.
0: That was my next question. I know that the water levels are dropping fast at many waters. Sounds like that's going to be a huge benefit for those of us like the chase crayfish. Yeah, They're
3: obviously going to move down with the water. If they stay up in a the rock, they're going to dry out. So They're generally are going to move down along the shoreline with the rock. But they'll be within two or three feet of the edge of the shore, especially at night because they'll come up to the edge to forest. You know, Some people like to go catch them by hand because they think it's challenging, and take a headlamp or whatever and walk along in shallow water and grab them with your hands. Boys love to do that, especially teenagers. So let them go off and do that. Boy, the kids and all throw chicken out there or whatever. So there's a bunch of different ways to catch them, and it's just a fun experience to get out there and do something at night.
0: Does a regular headlamp spook them? Do you need uh, covering over them or anything? Depends.
3: Like I say, those lights with small mouth and large mouth in there, they're a little more spooky. The light will definitely spook them. Strawberry, sometimes it'll spook them a little bit, but they'll usually get used to it. But I tend to shine it off to the side of them a little bit, not directly at them, just to keep from spooking. So I would just use a regular flashlight. You don't really need a red lens on there or anything like that.
0: Good advice. That really helps a lot. I know a lot of people are out there interested in doing it. As far as size, are they bigger this year or smaller? Well,
3: up at Strawberry, I mean, we were catching them all different age classes. We had everywhere from little ones all the way up to awesome big ones. And if you just want to keep big ones, you can cull them. You can just catch them for an hour, a couple hours, and just keep the big ones and get all the big ones you want. We were just going to hurry, want to do it fast and get out of there so we just kept everything and we had probably half big ones and half medium sized ones.
0: I know with our group as we've done this in the past we've had one person was kind of managing two or three different traps at a time and they'd bring in one trap and then the rest of us would be processing them quickly, cleaning them up, removing the guts out of them and putting them on ice. If you have a couple people working together man you can go through quite a few of them really fast.
3: Oh, absolutely. That's definitely the way to do it. Not leave one guy to do all the processing by himself. That's not fair. But the same token is, if you can leave your traps out there for an hour or two hours, you're a lot better off than just pulling it every five or six minutes. Because it takes a while for them to find the trap and figure out how to get in it. Where it's just a piece of chicken that's sitting on a string... There's nothing to hinder them to going right to the chicken, and so they're going to start climbing on it right away fairly quickly. So if you're going to net them with a net and a piece of chicken, obviously you can get them a little bit faster if you want to really harvest a bunch of them. But the traps are great because you can just throw them out there and leave it and go sit around telling camp stories until you go check your traps.
2: Yep. (laughs)
0: That's what it's all about. Now, I know there's different styles of traps, Have you seen any differences between the different styles? I know there's some round ones, there's square ones, there's even things that are kind of flat. They
3: all work fairly well. It does seem like the plastic-coated ones or the plastic ones seem to work a little better as far as the crawdads getting in them quicker. The galvanized ones or metal ones, they get a little bit of electrolysis action on them and the crawdads sometimes will shy away from them. But one way you can help eliminate that is if you get a brand new trap is actually spray it with some vinegar water and let it sit out a day and it'll oxidize it a little bit so it'll cut that down a little bit. We have noticed if it's a brand new trap, sometimes they'll touch it and then they'll zip away from it. It's like they get shocked or something. So that's a little handy tip. Just spray it with either lemon juice or vinegar and then let it sit out and just get that electrolysis down on it.
0: Very clever. You've been doing this pretty much all your life?
3: Oh yeah, I've been doing it since I was a kid. and Like I said, we've done it with my daughter for her birthday ever since she was 2 years old, so that's like 23 years. because She just turned 25, so we've been doing it a long time. It's a tradition. We have a big crawdad bash for her birthday, and we've done it for, like I said, 22, 23 years, so it's pretty
0: cool. If you got little ones playing around there, make sure you keep a life jacket on them. It's easy for kids to get wet and sometimes get in trouble.
3: If you're a person who's picky, make sure you give them their old camp shoes to wear, because you know they're going to get muddy and dirty. Don't put them in your Sunday draft shoes to go out there crying.
0: You know they're not coming back in the same way they came out.
3: (laughs) No, they're not going to be the perfect shoes when you come home. They're going to be wet.
0: Now, with 800 crayfish, I know that's too much for a single meal. I know you're going to be making fettuccine with these afterwards.
3: Yeah, what we did is we ate our fill at the party, and then I sat down for about 15 minutes and just shelled as many as I could, and I got about a pound and a half, two pounds of just tail meat that we're going to make up a little Italian-style scampi fettuccine something going on tonight We see what I end up making, whatever I throw together.
0: Now, when you do freeze these things, it's better to have them pre-cooked when you freeze them, isn't it?
3: Correct, yeah. You want to cook them up. And one of the things that we've done also is shelled a bunch of meat and then vacuum pack it, and then freeze it, it'll last a long time if you vacuum pack it.
0: What a fun way to celebrate the season long after it's too cold to start waiting anymore.
3: (laughs) Oh, absolutely. I think my brother and I are going to go up and just do a big haul one night and see if we can get a whole bunch and then just shell them and vacuum pack them so we can make some different dishes during the year. So try to do it at least one more time. The problem is, is we got archery hunt coming up. i got bass tournaments coming up. So there's a lot of things going on.
0: Now, you did mention the rules that we cannot move them live away from the water. we got to process them right there on site or keep them in the drainage, process them right away. There's no regulations on limits, but you do need to have a fishing license to be able to go after these.
3: Correct. You do need a license. If you're under 12, you don't need a license. But if you're 12 or 13 years old, that's a $5 license for a season. If you're out-of-state resident, that would be $6 for a 12- or 13-year-old. And then obviously a season license for an adult. Well, I guess there's a license, what, for 14 to 17? There's another lesser expensive license. And then an adult license, I think, is 18 and above. You do need a license to harvest crayfish, but there is no limit. You're correct on that. So go catch as many as you possibly feel like you want to cook.
0: And also, I guess we'd be amiss if we didn't talk about safety a little bit. I know those pinchers hurt when they do get you. There are some tricks to avoid getting pinched by those guys.
3: Yeah, the key is, obviously, is you want to grab it by the scarapist, which is the main back part right behind the claws. If you hold it there steady, it's like Arnold Schwarzenegger. It can't put its claws behind his head there. So if you grab it on that main scarapist part and hold tight, it can't pinch you. Obviously, you get your fingers on its belly or in front of its face, it can pinch you. And the one key, though, is if it pinches you, is don't pull it off because it might sting a little bit, but if you pull it off, it's going to rip your skin. So if you just hang on a second, it's going to let go. Don't just freak out and pull it off because then you're going to actually might end up causing a little cut or something. And I've literally showed people and actually had them pinch me on purpose. It really does occur, it's just more of a shock factor. So if they do glom onto you... Just wait a second, and they're going to let go. I mean, if they get you by the very tip, that's when it can hurt.
2: Yes, they do.
0: <laughs> you might hear some colorful language once in a while. <laughs>
3: yeah. I mean, I've actually joked around, hungling to my ear like an earring, you know, just to show it really doesn't hurt that bad, you know.
0: It's all about the size of the things too, and where they get you. <laughs>
3: yeah, exactly. Or if they have that little curved point on the tip, you know, sometimes that'll change, but. They really don't pinch that hard. You just don't try to jerk it. Now, if you rip it off of there, it could cut you.
0: Yeah, it's always fun to watch the first-timers monkey with them, and the first time they touch the things, it's, oh, man, I don't know if I want to do this. Once you get used to it, you can handle them pretty good and pretty fast. We
3: had a newbie with us on this last Friday night. He was a 13-year-old, never caught a crawdad in his life, and we took him up there with us, and afterwards he said, you know... That was a lot more fun than I thought it was going to be. So kids really do enjoy doing it. So get them up there and experience something different.
0: Agreed. 100%. Anything else we should be talking about crayfish real quick?
3: No, just make sure you don't transport them live. If you want to just take them home and just, like I say, devein them and rip off the tails and throw them on ice. If you've got some bigger claws, snap them off and throw them on the ice. They'll be fine as you chill them down quick. They'll be fine till you get them home and cook them up. Or, like I say, the turkey fryer burner in a big pot. Can't go wrong. Get that heating up while you're catching them and then just bring them over and start throwing them in there. And then you don't have to really think about the processing factor because when you get them home, they're all cooked. <laughs> Everything ready to go. Or just, like I say, have a camp up at Strawberry or Schofield or wherever and just cook them right up there and have a big party.
0: I've noticed it does help a lot to cook those while you're there. By the time you get home, you're tired, and then you're pushing to get it all done in time before they go bad on you.
3: Oh, absolutely, yeah. So that's why I would say there's different ways to do it. The other thing is is if you want to get a bunch of them, just cook them up there, and then you can cool them down, take them home, throw them on ice. What I like to do is put ice in the bottom of the cooler, put something between that there, throw them on there put something that will drain down the side, put a little ice on top, so it will cool them down without getting too much melted ice water in them to take away some of the flavors and cool them down. And You're fine. Take them home, shell them up, recook them when you get home. If you want to just have your Cajun boil at home, you can cook them up and put them out there with the corn and taters and the whole deal Do the big Cajun boil at home. Nice. Even though they're already cooked, all you're doing is basically get the potatoes going, get your seasoning in the pot, all that stuff, and then throw the already cooked crawdads in right at the end with it and get them hot again and you're good to go.
0: As far as preparation for them, I know there's tons of recipes online. There's lots of different ways you can go with these things. They're all good. They're all delicious. Get plenty of extra so you can make multiple meals like what you're doing.
3: Absolutely. The one thing I'll tell people if you want a little hint is what I found out is make sure you put enough salt in the water. A lot of people don't put enough salt in the water. And it's really important. Like I say, I usually put close to a cup of salt, but I'm doing a pot that's holding like three or four gallons of water. So I'm putting, dang near three quarters of a cup to a cup of salt in three or four gallons of water. And then taste it. Make sure it tastes a little bit salty to you. Throw in a couple bags of Zataran's. It's already pre-packaged. It's basically pickling spice. If you want to use it loose, just buy some pickling spice from the store and throw that in there. But the Zataran's bags are great. If you like it hot and spicy, throw in some red pepper flakes. If you like a little flavor of jalapeno, you can throw in some fresh jalapeno peppers. We always put in fresh garlic cloves. We always cut up an onion, throw it in there, cut up a lemon, throw it in there. And then, like I say, a quarter cup of vinegar or so just to help de-shell them. And then any kind of spices you really like, throw in there. If you really like tarragon, and throw a little bit of that in there. You know, you could throw ginger in there. I will say, if you like the Swedish style, they tend to put more vinegar in theirs. And so it gives it a little vinegary taste. I know Ikea has a crawfish week where you can go have crowd ads at Ikea. And theirs have a little bit of vinegary flavor to them because the Swedish people put vinegar and dill in theirs. And so I'm not a big fan of vinegar and dill. So I put a little bit of vinegar in there for the de shelling thing, but I'm more into the Cajun spice. Not super hot, but you want that little bit of bite to it.
0: Well, it's interesting you brought that up. I was just thinking about that, too. You can actually dip them in lindenberry sauce, which I'd never dreamed of doing. It wasn't my first call on those things, but they were actually pretty decent.
3: Yeah, they're pretty good. But like I say, that's a Swedish thing. and Like I said, they like the vinegar and the dill and all that. Then you have the little sweet lindenberry sauce. It's good, but... Like I say, we've gotten to a point where we get the spicing right with the Cajun spice. It's almost like you don't want to dip it in butter to eat it because the flavor is so good without anything else on it.
0: That's the way I see it, too. Do you do any scrubbing of them or anything?
3: The one thing is, is realistically, the boiling water rinses them off if they're boiling in there. But, of course, you don't want them to be gritty. So we usually have them in the net, and we splash them in the water five, six, seven times, and that helps break up some of that dust. You can put them in just water and let them swim around in a cooler that's got some clean water in it for a while, and they'll actually clean themselves a little bit and then drain it and do it again, drain it, and do it again. You can rinse them a few times. If you camped up there, like we did that when we did the one up at Strawberry, we just had them in a cooler and kept them alive at camp for a day and changed the water a few times, and that helped clean them out, made them a little bit cleaner. But the other night, we just rinsed them really good in the lake water, so they're good. I'm telling you right now, they're good.
0: (laughs) I believe it. I know they are. I love to see the transformation when they change color, too, as they're cooking.
3: Oh, absolutely, yeah. One time I was over fishing a little river in Oregon. We were just going to see if we could catch some sea run cutthroats and some stuff in this little river. And I see this crawdad, and I'm like, oh my gosh, look, a cooked crawdad. And then it's crawling around. They were like bright orange. They looked like they'd already been cooked. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> crawling around. Already bright orange, and I'm going, oh, that's, I've never seen one that color that wasn't cooked. But these were literally looked like hunter-deer orange crawling around on the rocks. I actually picked up a couple of them. I've seen people have the orange crawdad crankbaits. I've never seen a crawdad. Well, over in Oregon and Washington, they're that color during the summer, so that dark red color. So they do have various color phases. And obviously different species have different color patterns
0: to them. As far as crayfish season, how long, how late would you suggest people go out and give this a try?
3: I mean, I know people who've caught them when they were ice fishing, caught one onto their bait. But the warmer water, they're more active, so you can catch them faster. Obviously, when the water starts cooling down, their metabolism slows down because they're cold-blooded. So if you want to catch a bunch of them while the water stays warm is obviously the time to do it.
0: That's really good advice. We have tried doing it while we're cutting Christmas trees up in the Strawberry Valley, and it does slow down quite a bit.
3: <laughs> yeah, they're a cold-blooded species, so the metabolism just slows way down. They just can't hardly move very fast, and definitely when the water's warm like it is now, if you want to harvest them, you can this time of year.
0: All righty then, let's take a quick break. Be back in a few minutes when we return We'll continue our discussion with Peter Milburn with TBF and Salt City Bassmasters. Stick around. We're talking about the tournament series. More fun is on the way here on Western Life Radio. your adventure. With 46 state parks and an impressive list of recreational opportunities, yes bass fishing at Sand Hall State Park. Visitors might have a hard time choosing what to do each weekend.
1: Woo! Windsurfing surfing at Deer Creek State Park.
0: Choose your adventure. Explore Utah and create memories at Utah State Parks. For campground reservations, ideas for your next adventure, or to purchase an annual pass, stop by stateparks.utah.gov
1: warning bad guys Utah has school staff members that can shoot as well as law enforcement and save the wounded fasterutah.org Summer has officially
0: begun and Sportsman's Warehouse has everything you need for your next outdoor adventure from hiking to camping to shooting ready for some fishing Sportsman's Warehouse has all the rods reels baits and nets you need for success and hunting season will be here before you know it so bring in your bows for free tune-ups the best part of all is that at Sportsman's Warehouse you'll find knowledgeable people who are passionate about what they do and and they will get you just what you need. Sportsman's Warehouse, take it outside.
1: Our region is facing an exceptional drought and the potential for wildfire is high.
0: And agencies around the state are working together to meet the threat. Wildfire could strike in your community next. Are you prepared? Plan ahead now by remembering, ready, set, go. Be ready by maintaining 100 feet of defensible space around your
1: home and taking steps to harden your home and make it more fire resistant. Be set by having a wildfire action plan and knowing what important items to take with you in the event of an evacuation. And lastly, go. Evacuate early when a wildfire strikes
0: in your area.
1: We're prepared. We're prepared.
0: We're prepared for wildfire. Are you? Explore the universe from one of Utah's dark sky parks With more than 14 state park destinations to choose from, your family can gaze at the Milky Way, watch the moon rise, or make a wish during a meteor shower. With the right telescope, you can find nearby planets, tour distant galaxies, or capture the heavens with your own deep space photography. Your adventure begins with a camping reservation and a clear view to the darkened skies. Launch your epic nighttime adventure at stateparks.utah.gov. Put on your helmet, let's go. But mom, when
2: will I be on left so I don't have to wear my helmet? When will I become invincible just like you? Sweetie, I'm not invincible. I need my helmet too.
3: Anyone can get hurt, no matter how old they are.
2: Be
1: responsible and set an example when you ride. Accidents do happen. Please remember, nobody is invincible.
0: No matter what's bugging you this summer in your garden, the USU Extension Service Integrated Pest Management Program can help you find solutions. From free fact sheets and books to seminars and updated pest advisories, this website will point you in the right direction. To find these and other free resources, stop at extension.usu.edu forward slash pests.
2: You all know might think that a day on the lake is all fun and the sun on your bum? But you and my friends are incorrect. Today we're going to feel
0: the burn together while raw gets you ready for a safe day on the lake. Not only do life jackets save your lives, but they make you look amazing. Let's get started. This first routine is the important one. You gotta zip it, gotta zip it, gotta click it. Zip it,
2: click it. Look at you, Terry. Oh yeah, gary you got it. Fire down the boat, wave to the boat. Scream for help. Oh! What's wrong, Terry? I just, I just can't swim good.
0: Oh, that's okay, little buddy. That's what this is for. Oh. Woo. Thanks for my exercise. I think you're ready for a safe day on the lake. Just remember, always wear your life jacket. with the world through RISE Broadband and stay in touch with all things important to you and your family. Known as the number one fixed wireless internet provider in the United States, RISE Broadband will keep you connected with work, school, shopping, and entertainment. Whether you live in a suburban or rural area, RISE helps keep you and your family connected with the people and things that you value most. RISE Broadband offers flexible packages designed to meet your budget so you can enjoy all your favorite music and movies with fast, reliable, in-home Wi-Fi. Stream your favorite shows, play the hottest games without buffering, and stay in touch with family and friends on Skype. Get more for less with Rise Broadband. To check availability in your area, visit RiseBroadband.com or call 844-411-RISE.
1: Now back to Western Life Radio with your host,
2: Brian Brinkerhoff.
0: Welcome back to Western Life Radio. I'm Brian Brinkerhoff, host this program. We have Mr. Peter Milburn joining us once again with TBF and Salt City Bassmasters. Now, you do more than just chasing crayfish this time of year. Throughout the year, you're actually also very busy with Salt City Bassmasters and TBF. Correct. Let's talk tournament bass fishing. This is a neat opportunity, a growing opportunity here in the state of Utah. A lot of people love their trout, but bass, my goodness, what a growing and fun sport.
3: There's a lot of different opportunities out there for people if they're interested in getting into bass fishing or learning more about bass fishing. There's a lot of different opportunities out there. Salt City Bass Masters, which is salt space city space bass space masters, we have a Facebook page. You can go on there and send a message if you want to find information about the club. But it's a club. We have little club tournaments. You're not going to get rich fishing in our tournaments. You're not going to make a million dollars fishing in the club bass tournaments, But you're going to have fun, and you can use it as an opportunity to learn and as a stepping stone to see if you want to get more into it and going up the ladder. Plus, you don't need a boat. You can be a non-boater. And you don't need a expensive bass boat. I mean, guys will come and fish in a multi-species boat, a aluminum boat, or whatever, because we're fishing mostly the smaller lakes. So you don't need to have the high-speed bass boat to go fly 50 miles down Lake Powell. Okay, so if people want to start bass fishing and learn more about tournament-type bass fishing, everybody in the club is willing to help new people out. If you come join the club, there are certain rules and restrictions to join in the club. You have to come to a couple meetings. You have to participate in a couple events before you can get voted into joining the club, which is fine. But you don't have to own a boat. Everybody's willing to help people learn more about bass fishing If you want to get more involved and get into where you could potentially move up and go make more money, you've got TBF, which is part of the Major League Fishing, purchased the FLW and TBF and took it over. And so TBF stands for Tournament Bass Fishing. It was part of the FLW, and Major League Fishing purchased it and took it over. And so they have qualifying events. They just had one at Flaming Gorge in July. I fished in that one. I took second. I could have won it, but Sid did a great job both days, and Sid Reeves won it. And I finished second, so the top three people qualified for the divisional, which will be next year down at Lake Mojave, down in Arizona Nevada border. So we're going to be going down there. But there is going to be another qualifier for TBF in October to qualify to go to the semifinals, which will be down in Lake Mojave in Arizona. If you qualify on the utah side in the tournament if you're one of the top three boaters or top three non-voters qualify and if you qualify then tbf the club helps give you a thousand dollars for travel expenses six hundred dollars if you're a non-voter obviously a voter's got to pull his book down there and then you share expenses to go down there and obviously a non-voter would team up with one of the boaters to go down together so you can share expenses. So TBF is going to help you pay your travel expenses if you qualify to make it from Utah. And that's kind of a neat way to go. And then if you go to the divisional, if you can win that or qualify as the highest person from each state, then they could go to the national event where you could win a lot of money and make it. If you win that or qualify in a certain level, then you could actually get on to the next level of tours and start going into MLF get sponsorships, all that. Also, BASS, which is SPASS Federation, has what they call their qualifiers, and what they do is they have a state team. And so if you make the state team, then they go and they compete against four or five other states, like California, Nevada. There's five states, I think, that they compete against, and it depends on where the tournament is. Last year it was in California, and You go compete about that, and if you're the top person from each state, they get to go to the nationals for voter and non-voter. And like last year, Terry Peterson, who's the fishing category manager for sportsmen, last year he won the national tournament as the non-voter. He won the non-voter side at the national tournament, which was really awesome. Guy from Utah won the national non-voter side. And he qualified high enough, so he fished the last day. They actually provided him with a boat, and he fished the last day for the overall title because he was in the top 30 or whatever you had to be to fish the last day. So that was kind of cool. He didn't do that well on the last day because he was afraid to kind of run some of the places he had been fishing because he thought he'd rip the lower unit off the boat or something. Interesting. <laughs> he, you know, he hadn't been driving the boat all week, so.
0: And again, for folks out there listening who may not be familiar with the terminology, non-boater doesn't mean that you're not on a boat. It doesn't mean you're sitting there on the shoreline.
3: What it is, the boater is the person who owns the boat, may fish the front end of the boat. A non-boater is the person who fishes off the back of the boat. They're not the ones who are running the boat. So, But there's two categories generally. There's boater and non-boater because... Obviously, the boater is controlling the boat, taking it where it wants to go, and he has a slight advantage on hitting the water first and those kind of things because, obviously, the non-boater can't hit that water as soon as the boater is. There's rules about you can't cast in front of the windshield and those things, and you have to be courteous. But most boaters are pretty courteous and will let the non-boaters have good water to fish also. But the bigger the tournament gets, the left, the guy lets you have the water. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> when there's big money on the line, they're not going to give you their fish. But I've personally been in tournaments where I've had my non-voters on my boat caught bigger fish than I did. So it just goes to show you that it happened. So, But it's kind of fun. Like on our club, though, in Salt City Bassmasters, everybody fishes against everybody. We try to be extremely fair. Everybody gets to fish water and try not to be selfish and try to make sure everybody gets the same water to fish because everybody's fishing against each other in the club. We don't really have boaters and non-boaters. We have boaters and non-boaters, but everybody's just fishing against each other for the total bag limit. So we try to make sure that everybody gets a chance and we help everybody out.
0: I sure do appreciate you taking time with us today, Peter. You are awesome. Again, Peter Milburn with Salt City Bass Masters and TBF. You're incredible. Thank you for taking time with us today.
3: Absolutely. It was a pleasure. We'll do it again soon.
1: Play safe. Boating accidents happen quickly. You never know when you might end up in the water. Wear your life jacket and have a throwable life preserver on board. Remember, Utah boaters wear it. Visit stateparks.utah.gov. This message brought to you by the Utah State Parks Boating Program. with the
0: world through RISE Broadband and stay in touch with all things important to you and your family. Known as the number one fixed wireless internet provider in the United States, RISE Broadband will keep you connected with work, school, shopping and entertainment. Whether you live in a suburban or rural area, Rise helps keep you and your family connected with the people and things that you value most. Rise Broadband offers flexible packages designed to meet your budget so you can enjoy all your favorite music and movies with fast, reliable, in-home Wi-Fi. Stream your favorite shows, play the hottest games without buffering, and stay in touch with family and friends on Skype. Get more for less with Rise Broadband to check availability in your area Visit risebroadband.com or call 844 411 rise Put on your helmet, let's go.
2: But Mom, when will I be on left so I don't have to wear my helmet? When will I become invincible just like you? Sweetie. I'm not
3: invincible. I need my helmet too. Anyone can get hurt, no matter how
0: old they are.
1: Be responsible and set an example when you ride.
0: Accidents do happen. Please remember, nobody is invincible. Explore the universe from one of Utah's dark sky parks. With more than 14 state park destinations to choose from, your family can gaze at the Milky Way, watch the moon rise, or make a wish during a meteor shower. With the right telescope, you can find nearby planets, tour distant galaxies, or capture the heavens with your own deep space photography. Your adventure begins with a camping reservation and a clear view to the darkened skies. Launch your epic nighttime adventure at
1: stateparks.utah.gov. Gun-free school zones make for soft targets for those who would do school violence. Utah schools are not soft targets. Thanks to the education provided by FasterUtah.org.
0: No matter what's bugging you this summer in your garden, the USU Extension Service Integrated Pest Management Program can help you find solutions. From free fact sheets and books to seminars and updated pest advisories, this website will point you in the right direction. To find these and other free resources, stop at extension.usu.edu forward slash pests. Ricky, my man. Hey, headed out on the
2: lake, I see. These fish aren't going to catch themselves, am I right?
1: Got some brewskis from a broski No, thank you, that's illegal.
2: What? Come on, aren't you the guy that wrestled the buffalo on Antelope Island? First of all, they're called bison, and I was delivering a breech calf. Wow, come on, man.
1: I'll trade you this six or suds for that life jacket. A real man always wears his life vest. And he never partakes of alcohol while operating a boat. Everyone knows that. Ooh.
0: Not, not everybody does. Everybody knows that. You got me. listening to Western Life Radio, a 30-year outdoor and western lifestyle tradition. Thanks for joining us. May all your days be filled with new adventures. I'm Brian Brinkerhoff.